Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyal, your host. I greet you with our usual greeting, but soon I'll greet you with the Christmas greeting, which I won't say yet, but it's coming up as we approach the great feast of the Incarnation and the Nativity. I'm going to demand <laughs> that you not celebrate, quote-unquote, celebrate the holidays. Don't even celebrate Christmas. I know that sounds strange, but what I'm asking you to do is to really enter into this mystery and be transformed by it, because that's the reason it happened. See, the problem I have with the word celebrate, especially if we say celebrate the holidays, is that whenever we use that word, it implies that we're commemorating or remembering something that happened, like an event that happened that we're happy about that it happened, but it's in the past and we acknowledge it and celebrate it. And then after that, we sort of go on about our business being the same kind of people we were. But actually, it's not what Christmas is about. It's not what happens in the life of the church. See, in the life of the church, we don't celebrate something. I mean, we do in a sense, but that kind of underplays it. That's not really going to do anything for us. I mean, let's face it. Comes December 26th already. You hardly ever hear Christmas carols on the radio anymore. People will ask you in the past tense, how was your Christmas and already decorations start to come down. It's kind of like, well, we did that, been there, done that, had a good time, okay, and that's it. Now we get back to business. And that is so, so opposite of what this is really all about. I mean, think about it. God Almighty did not become incarnate in the flesh. The invisible God did not become visible just so that we could celebrate we can acknowledge something, have some fun or good time and be happy, and then go back to our old run-of-the-mill, day-to-day drudgery, depression, anxiety, anger, frustration, debts, etc., etc., etc. I'm not trying to be a downer, but I'm trying to be very, actually, realistic and take us beyond what we consider to be realistic. Because what is realistic really isn't real. What is real is that which takes us beyond the so-called realistic. In other words, the mystical, the mystery, 
And this indeed is the great mystery. Think about it. Think about what happened. Let's just contemplate it for a moment using the icons, the liturgical texts of the church, especially in our Byzantine Catholic Church. The texts are so rich in their typology and their theology. Think of what happened. An invisible God, an uncontainable God, an ineffable God, an incomprehensible God, with no beginning and no end, always was, is pure and perfect eternal love. Think about that. That which cannot be contained, not even by the universe, becomes visible, becomes contained, becomes his own creation, while still remaining the Creator. That which cannot be contained is contained within the womb of a virgin, within the body of an infant, and that body is then contained in a feeding trough for cows. That's what a manger is. We forget about that. We talk about the babe in the manger. It almost sounds kind of romantic or idyllic. It's a feeding trough for cows. Imagine, God stuffs himself down into that finite, humiliating condition. In fact, we call Christmas in the Eastern tradition, the divine condescension. God condescended. In other words, he lowered himself. He humiliated himself. Yeah, humiliation, humbled himself. For what? In response to what? To our insolence, our sin, our fall. I mean, think about that. We have to think about this. We have to meditate on this mystery in order to be transformed by it, not just celebrate it. Another Christmas come and gone. Would you humiliate yourself for someone who gave you the supreme offense, the supreme insult? Would you find ever more ways to humble yourself before them and to bring them up and raise them to the highest dignity? Is that what you would do? Is that what I would do? Is that what we feel like doing? Yet, we're talking about something infinitely greater than that. We're talking about the perfect, infinite God who created us, and we turned against him. Going back to original sin, of course, we do it all the time when we do sin. He should have wiped us out. He did one time, remember? The flood, Noah's Ark. He should have wiped us out. If we really want to talk about justice, think about it. And again, I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm trying to be actually an upper. I'm trying to raise our experience of Christmas beyond the celebration, beyond the holidays. This has to be different, especially in our world today. This has to be a different experience for us, a real experience of Christmas. So our Lord, God and Savior Jesus Christ, God himself, lowers himself, humiliates himself in response to our indignation, our rebellion, our sin. And he would keep finding ways to descend, to condescend. And we'll be talking about that over the next few weeks as we continue with this liturgical calendar of the season of the great mystery, the incarnation, how God will continue to lower himself all the way into hell itself. That'll come later on as we get towards Pascha. But in the meantime, Christ lowers himself so that we may be raised to the highest dignity. Can you imagine that kind of love? He would enter into every aspect of his own creation, especially the human person that rebelled against him, and therefore elevating it, sanctifying it. In St. John Paul II, in his Theology of the Body, had a, a great kind of presentation about this. He talked about the three phases of human history. Original man, which was before original sin. You know, when everything was wonderful in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve and harmony with each other and the world and with God. Then came sin, 
that becomes what John Paul II called historical man. In other words, the period that we live in now, the post-original sin period. That is not reality, believe it or not, even though we call it that. It is a reality that was never meant to be. But Christ comes into that reality as he does during this Christmas event, this incarnational event. He comes into it to elevate us, to reach back and grab an echo of that original innocence that we had before the fall. But then, as things progress, to take us to greater heights even. That part is what John Paul II called eschatological man. In other words, our ultimate destiny, which is even greater than the original plan. This is the kind of God that we have. You can't comprehend that kind of love. And this is what we're actually observing, immersing ourselves into, this reality. And the reason why this is so important is because when we really try to grasp the reality of what God has done through this incarnation and why he did it, then our only response would have to be one of renewal, of gratitude, of praise and thanksgiving, of becoming a different person, humbled by God's humility, humbled so as to respond to God is the only sensible way with praise, repentance, thanksgiving, hope. Instead of being the same complaining person, the same kind of drudgery, the same sense of entitlement, of unhappiness, of, of just discontent that we see so much of in the world today and after Christmas. It's because we don't really enter into the mystery. We celebrate the holidays, but we don't enter into the mystery, and we therefore don't allow ourselves to be transformed by it. In the liturgical text for the Sundays before Christmas, which this is one, this is the Sunday of the Holy Forefathers or the Patriarchs. In other words, going all the way back in the Old Testament, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, those before the law and those after the law, and other images such as the three youths or the prophet Daniel, where we sing this in our liturgy. The three holy youths were refreshed by the Holy Spirit when they walked in the fire as though in a cool place, and then the Trinity and the incarnation of Christ were prefigured in a mystical manner. Then it says this, when the three holy youths stood in the flaming furnace as if covered with dew, they mystically prefigured your coming from the virgin, giving light to us without being consumed. Now, do you see the magnitude of what has gone on here? Predicted, prefigured, prophesied, centuries and centuries and centuries before it actually happened. Prefigured. God as Trinity is prefigured. God becoming incarnate through the womb of a virgin. Her womb becoming a spiritual paradise, more spacious than the heavens, as the liturgical texts say. This was all prefigured, prophesied, and it became true in this great mystery of the incarnation. Now, all that I've said here, maybe I should stop for a moment and just let you take it in. Think of what I just said, what I just quoted from the liturgy, which is a reference to the scriptures, centuries and centuries of preparation and prefigurement, all of which comes true to the last detail, starting with the great incarnation, the birth of Christ. This mystery is a mystery that is too great for our comprehension. All we can do is enter into it, especially through the liturgy, the help of the liturgical text and the prayer and respond with our transformed selves. That's what this is all about, far beyond a celebration. When we come back, we're going to talk more about this great mystery 
rather than just a celebration. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Every day, Father Loya posts a brief two-minute Facebook video on the Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish homepage. You'll be amazed at what you can learn just by watching. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Welcome to a St. Nicholas Minute. What is a saint anyway? Although I was imprisoned for seven years during a terrible persecution of the church under the pagan Roman emperor Diocletian, I'm one of the first saints honored not because I suffered a bloody martyrdom like St. Peter or St. Paul. I was called a saint because people began to say, Nicholas loves Jesus so much that you can see a lot of Jesus in him. And that's what a saint is, someone who wants to become more and more like Jesus, who is the light of the world each and every day of our lives. One day when a class of parochial school students were in church, their pastor asked the assembly of children, what is a saint? Then a first grade girl pointed up to a stained glass image of a saint saying, saints are those people who let the light in. And so as we celebrate the birth of Christ, let your light shine before others that they may see your good works and glorify your father in heaven. Christ is born, glorify him. <laughs> I'm Father Tom Coyes, pastor of St. James at Sag Bridge in Lamont, Illinois, and you are listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the Sacred Liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you. Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Lowe, your, your host. Before we go any further in plummeting this great mystery, the depth of this mystery, not just celebrating Christmas, I just want to remind you again of a Byzantine Catholic retreat and pilgrimage to Guadalupe, Mexico. This is going to happen April 20th to the 27th of 2024. I'll be leading this pilgrimage. And if you want to find out more about it, you can go to Regina Tours. That's 1-800-CATHOLIC.COM. 1-800-CATHOLIC.COM for our Byzantine Catholic Retreat and Pilgrimage to Guadalupe, Mexico, April 20th to the 27th, 2024. Now, back to our mystery. And again, it's not a celebration. It's a 
mystery, entering that mystery and being transformed by it. You see, the things that happen in the events of the Bible, especially the life of Christ, and this is carried on in the life of the church. This is why it's so important to be part of church. They have a timelessness about them. They have a todayness about them. In other words, they're happening for the first time, all the time. We don't celebrate Christmas over and over. We enter into that one and only Christmas, that divine revelation that happened one time and forever, and we just keep re-entering into it. It's very much like the Mass or the liturgy, the Eucharist. We don't sacrifice Jesus every time. We enter into that one and only sacrifice, which is good for all time. And that's what happens with the events from the Bible and as it's played out in the liturgy of the church. This is all timelessness. And in the liturgical verses of the church and our different services, we get a wonderful articulation of the depth of this mystery. For example, we sing hymns like this, O faithful, let us celebrate beforehand the nativity of Christ. Let us raise up our minds to Bethlehem, and we shall be raised up in spirit. We shall meditate upon the virgin who is on the way to the cave to give birth to the Lord of all and our God. Joseph saw the magnitude of Christ's miracles, for he lowered himself to be revealed as a man and to be wrapped in swaddling clothes as an infant. Joseph understood from the events that Jesus was the true God who grants great mercy to our souls. So what happens is we're already prefiguring, we're anticipating, because this is the second Sunday before the Nativity in the Byzantine liturgical calendar, which we focus on the great prophets, the, the patriarchs, the people that came before Christ and laid all this out centuries ago. As we focus on that, we have a kind of an anticipation, but also, as you see here, a meditation. We're continuing to contemplate this mystery, and we even refer to like the Virgin Mary or Joseph, who themselves had to contemplate this mystery. In fact, we hear through the liturgy, in a sense, a conversation, conversations that go on. For example, we hear from creation, all creation beholds the descent of God and rejoices. The Magi bring gifts, heaven speaks by means of a star, and the angels give glory while the shepherds sing with awe. The manger supports him as though it were a fiery throne. Rejoice, O mother, who sees all these wonders. Then we hear from the Virgin Mary. Again, this is through the liturgical text. You are the light unto the revelation of the Gentiles, O my eternal Son, O ineffable begotten one of the unbegotten Father. You have come in the appearance of my likeness. You come in order to enrich the human race which is afflicted with the poverty that you took upon yourself. We praise your compassion, O Lord. And then we hear Jesus speak to his mother. O mother, you see me resting in your arms. Be happy, for I have come to take away the anguish of Adam, which resulted from the wicked plotting of the serpent who tempted him. He was outside the joys of paradise because he fell prey to corruption. And now again hear more from the Virgin Mary. She's looking at Christ, and she's contemplating this mystery. If you ever look at the icon of the nativity scene, the Byzantine icon, you'll see the Virgin Mary not so much looking down at her son, but she's right next to him, but she's kind of looking away as though contemplating. She's looking at us at the same time looking away as though contemplating this mystery before her that she and her womb contained the uncontainable. She became more spacious than all the heavens. And in doing that, she becomes the model for all womanhood, which means, and you know, ladies, if you're listening, but also men to know this, that all womanhood, by virtue of the fact that women are created with a womb, 
They have a sacred space within them, a place where heaven and earth meet. New life begins, a miracle begins, just as it did in the womb of the Virgin Mary. So we hear the Virgin Mary saying this, You bear the form of Adam, yet you are all perfect, being in the form of God. Of your own will, you are held in human hands, even though in your power you uphold all things. The pure and undefiled virgin spoke aloud, How shall I wrap you in swaddling clothes like an infant? How shall I nurse the one who gives nourishment to the world? How shall I not wonder in amazement at your poverty beyond understanding? How shall I, who am your handmaiden, call you my son? I sing your praises and I bless you, for you grant mercy to the world. The undefiled virgin beheld their pre-eternal God as a child who had taken flesh from her. She howled him in her arms and without ceasing kissed him. Filled with joy, she cried out, O most high God and unseen king, how is it that I look upon you? I cannot understand the mystery of your immeasurable lowliness. For the smallest of caves is a strange dwelling for you, yet it finds room for you within itself. You have been born without destroying my virginity, and you have kept my womb as it was before childbirth. Now you grant mercy to the world. When the virgin saw the magi standing before the cave, she spoke to them and wondered, Whom do you seek? For I see that you have come from a far country. You have the appearance, but not the thoughts of the Persians. You have come with zeal to worship him, who journeyed as a stranger from on high, and who wondrously took up abode in me in a way known only to himself. He grants great mercy to the world. You see, these texts that I just read to you, these beautiful texts coming from the heart, the contemplation of the Virgin Mary, are of course chanted according to our liturgical indigenous chant of the Byzantine Catholic Church. But they're meaningful in that they depict the Virgin Mary doing what we should be doing now, what I'm asking you to do instead of celebrating the holidays, celebrating Christmas. I'm asking you to be drawn into the mystery and contemplating the marvel that has happened here. As I said at the very beginning, we have to understand, first of all, God, but we have to understand things about him, his uncontainable nature, his incomprehensible nature, his love beyond any description. And yet that perfect and uncontainable God would lower himself in this way, that even the Virgin Mary is marveling, saying that the manger is a strange place for you. How can you who are God fit in the feeding trough with straw of cows, of animals? Can you imagine? She's marveling at what has happened. And in one sense, she's being prophetic, actually. She is bringing to fulfillment what the prophets of her own heritage said centuries ago when they said the virgin shall be with child. He should be called the Emmanuel. The Virgin Mary would have known this, but she would have never known that she was the one. That's why she was startled by the angel when Gabriel came there and said that you will bear a child. You will host the Messiah in your spiritual womb. She was shocked, but yet she opened herself to that mystery and contemplated it, just as you and I are to do. And in doing that, this should actually transform us. During this time prior to the actual birth of Christ, what have we been doing? Hopefully you've been doing it faithfully, practicing ascetical discipline, going to confession, fasting, pulling back from things, divesting yourself of things, abstaining from meat and dairy Monday, Wednesday, Friday, according to the Byzantine tradition, 
And all of this is to open ourselves to the coming of the Lord and ultimately to becoming people of greater charity. When you wake up on December 26th, as people are speaking in the past tense about celebrating Christmas, you know, been there, done that, did the Christmas thing, okay, now back to normal. As the world is doing that with great error, you, I, should be asking ourselves, am I different, better today than I was December 25th, 24th, 23rd, etc., etc.? Do I notice anything better about me? Am I holier? Am I a person of greater patience, greater charity? You know, peace on earth, goodwill to men, hope, all those beautiful things that we assign to this nativity scene, to this event. They have to be realities for us, and they can be if we don't celebrate Christmas. That's right. Don't celebrate it. Contemplate this mystery. I mean, really contemplate it. Enter into it and through the prayer of the church especially, let it transform you. Let it not be just another Christmas come and gone, but one that continues on timelessly in your own life and in mine. Thanks for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. This is Doug Heck. I'm EWTN's President and Chief Operating Officer, also host of EWTN's Bookmark. This Advent, I look forward to Christmas coming. It's a wonderful time of the year for our entire EWTN family, but it's also a tough time for many people. Family issues and problems, and we pray together that we all stay strong in the faith and wait for the arrival of our Lord once again incarnate on Christmas. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!